You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Wednesday, the 9th of December, which means Hanukkah starts tomorrow night. So you only have one day left to figure out how you're gonna spell it this year. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, we figure out why it's great to be white. We see why 2020 was such a horny year, and George Wallace joins me on the show. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with Donald J. Trump president of the United States and man who's in a bar fight with reality. Ever since he lost the election, his people have been going through every court in the country trying to find a judge who will help him unlose the election. But yesterday, he might have hit a dead end. The Supreme Court has now shot down an effort by President Trump's allies in Pennsylvania in that overall effort to try to overturn the election. Terry, the US Supreme Court seemed to send a very strong signal late today with uh, very few words. They sure did. This was brutal, David, no question about it. It took the Supreme Court just 34 minutes between the time that President Trump's allies in Pennsylvania filed their brief in this case and a one-sentence order from the Supreme Court rejecting that entire case. Uh, No reasoning, just no, get out of here. And there were no recorded dissents by any of the justices, including Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, all of whom were appointed by President Trump. It came in a single sentence and we quote the application for injunctive relief presented to justice alito and by him referred to the court is denied Oof, man trump is taking l's people not only did they shut this case down but they shut it down in just 34 minutes they didn't even pretend that they were going to consider it this is like asking somebody out and they just shut you down immediately hey would you like to no go out with me And Trump must be especially butthurt that the justices he appointed didn't do anything about this. Because in his mind, he thinks that they owe him big time. He's probably like, what the hell, Brett? I stuck with you and everyone said you were a creepy drunk, but now you won't let me be president just because I didn't get enough votes. All of a sudden, now you know the meaning of the word no, Brett, huh? I hate all of you, Neil. Brett, and you hurt me most of all, Amy Coney Island. But here's the truth, man. You can't blame the Supreme Court for not wanting to get involved in Trump's case because we all have that one friend that when you see them crying, you think, you know what, I'm just gonna keep walking because if I try help, it's gonna become a whole thing. So this looks like it could be the end for Trump's legal efforts because he can't appeal a higher court than the Supreme Court. I mean, maybe he'll try appeal to God, who knows? Look, I know I'm only asking for your help when I'm walking down a ramp, but this one's important, big guy. And can we just take a moment to reflect on how hard this past month has been for Trump's people? Because it's not easy to overturn a democracy. It's actually taking a physical toll on them. I mean, Trump's hair went gray overnight, his legal team is riddled with corona, and now one of Trump's top supporters, Congressman Louis Gohmert, is literally falling apart. It was an embarrassing moment for Texas Republican Louis Gohmert. I have uh, consulted, been with uh, our Afghan allies many times since 2000, 
2001. His tooth fell out in the middle of a press conference on Capitol Hill. The congressman didn't miss a beat. He quickly caught it with his tongue, tucked it away in his cheek, and kept speaking. Gomert tweeted later, accusing reporters of being more interested in a temporary crown coming loose than they were in covering claims of election fraud by the president. That is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in 2020. And remember, I've seen everything. I mean, I saw Rudy's hair melt. I saw a human woman marrying inside-out ferrets. But as disgusting as it is, it's still pretty funny, man. I mean, Trump's fraud cases are getting knocked out of their court so hard that other people are losing their teeth. And it's not like Louie over here can give that tooth to the tooth fairy, because she's gonna be like, nah, uh I didn't sign up for this shit. I buy teeth from kids, not middle-aged cabbage patch dolls. And I love how he tried to move on, like nothing happened. Did you see that, huh? Try to move on like a tooth in my, my, my man, my man. I don't care what side of history you're on. If your tooth falls out in mid-speech, your argument is over. I know it's not fair, but that's the way it is. If that happened to FDR, even he would have been like, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Oh, oh shit, my tooth. Forget it, congrats, Japan, you've won. But let's move on. As we enter the second year of the coronavirus pandemic, there is one thing on top of everybody's holiday wish list. A PlayStation 5. And after that, a vaccine. And Santa's working hard to make it happen. Great Britain has already begun vaccinations. The United States is close behind. And China has now announced that its new vaccine is 86% effective. But the first country to start mass vaccinations was actually Russia. And the reason that they were able to be the first is that they didn't finish testing at first, which might be why things haven't been going great with it so far. Interesting request for those getting a vaccine in Russia. Officials telling citizens, please avoid drinking alcohol for two months after being inoculated. They say that alcohol impacts the immune system. There have been some questions about the efficacy of Russia's vaccine. Reports say medical workers who have been vaccinated are still getting COVID. Vladimir Putin has also refused to take it. Wow, there's a lot to unpack here. First off, Russia's vaccine doesn't allow you to drink alcohol. I mean, this is a tough situation because the only way you would agree to take a Russian vaccine is if you were totally shit-faced. Not to mention, not drinking is gonna cause a lot of problems because it means that a lot of Russians are gonna be seeing Russia sober for the first time. What is this? My home is frozen wasteland where top food is bits? What the hell is this place? I thought I live in Caribbean. Also, it doesn't build public confidence in the vaccine if your leader is like, I'll take my chances with corona. That vaccine is poison and trust me, I know what is poison. But let's move on. From time to time, I see stories that make me think, damn, it is good to be white in America. Because I know a lot of white people are hurting right now, but white people can also get away with shit in this country that nobody else could. So you know what, I think, there's some times where we just gotta take a moment to appreciate it and be like, yo, man, you're so lucky you're white. Tonight's story takes place in Staten Island, which is a little pocket of red America inside deep blue New York City. You know, like if Elmo drowned at sea. And the lucky white person at the center of this story is Danny Presti, bar manager and hairy egg. His luck began a week ago 
when he found the courage to take a stand against staying alive. For a small bar on Staten Island, Max Public House has become a national lightning rod in the pandemic lockdown. When the southern portion of Staten Island went into the orange zone last month, the owner of Max Public House said he could not afford to close again. So he declared his property an autonomous zone. He's posted statements on the windows refusing to abide by any rules and regulations put forth by the mayor of New York City and the governor. Hundreds of protesters outside the now infamous Max Public House on Staten Island tonight demanding it open for business. USA! 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 We are a community. We take back our community. We're all together. We take back Staten Island tonight. Okay, right away. I think we can all agree that this dude is behaving very uh, white. Yes. Because it's a very white thing to do, to just declare yourself an independent if you don't like the law. I mean, the American Revolution was basically white guys saying, I'll drink tea when I want to drink tea. God damn it, the queen's gonna tell me it's high tea. I want, what if I want low tea? Or no tea? What about coffee? Not to mention, he just declared himself autonomous in front of an American flag. I love these kinds of people, man. They always want it both ways. America's tyrannical, so I declare myself independent, USA. But for real, man, white people never cease to amaze me. I mean, they will follow all the rules of escape the room to the letter, but the moment you ask them to wear a mask, they turn into freedom fighters. Where was that freedom-loving attitude when I try to pick the lock instead of searching for clues? Huh, Chad? Huh, Chad? Now, eventually, the police did come to shut down this bar. And that, my friends, is when Danny Presti's luck really started. That defiant general manager of a Staten Island bar was released without bail after he was arrested for hitting a sheriff's deputy with his car. This weekend, deputies tried to arrest Danny Presti after he allowed people to gather at Max Public House when it was supposed to be shut down. When they followed him up the block to his car, they say he ran and drove off, hitting a deputy who rolled onto his hood. And despite this surveillance video that shows the incident, Presti has a different version of what happened. I think when the investigation is complete, you're gonna find out that I did nothing wrong. Ooh-wee! That dude is so lucky he's white. Yo, (laughs) can you imagine? Cops say you hit one of them with your car and then you get released without bail. No bail! (laughs) Ha ha! Best believe if he was black, those cops would have dragged him out of his car, beat the shit out of him, and then beat the shit out of his car. And you gotta appreciate how he's saying, when the investigation is complete, you'll see that I did nothing wrong. Oh man, you're on video. The investigation's over. It lasted five seconds. My eyes just did the investigation and they saw your ass driving to some police. Case closed. So, instead of being punished for plowing into a cop, this guy gets away with it like he's in Grand Theft Auto. And it's even better than that. At least in Grand Theft Auto, you gotta go into hiding for a bit before you're safe. But no, this guy immediately went to brag about it on Fox News. And I'm looking at your business and you're getting killed. And these restrictions, I mean, do people really understand your heart, life and soul is involved in this, sir? I just want to say I applaud a lot of these small business owners that peacefully uh, push back against this because uh, they have no other recourse. What it just goes to show you is people are frustrated and they're protective and they feel like the government is not looking out for them. I don't know if I should reveal this. Danny, but I actually know cops that are telling you privately, whispering in your ear, they don't want to do this to you. 
They're being forced to. And I'm really sorry that you're going through all this, to be very honest. Damn, boy, you so lucky, you white. This dude has a whole network apologizing to him for running over a policeman. A policeman. This is not just any network, but Fox News. Fox always stands with cops against black people. But when it's a white guy, suddenly Fox goes, uh, breaking news, f*** the police, smoke weed every day. They even told him he was peacefully pushing back when he was pushing with his car. Yo, are you serious right now? When black people just walk in the street, Fox calls it a riot. But this white guy drives into a cop, a police officer, an officer of the law. And Fox News is like, now, this is a, this is a hit and run. This is a hit and run that Martin Luther King Jr. would have been proud of. But I've got one question for you, Fox News. What happened to Blue Lives Matter, huh? What happened to Blue Lives Matter? I guess technically it's Blue Lives Matter is above Black Lives Matter, but the number one thing is White Lives Matter. So there you have it. This guy declares himself above the law, hosts potential super spreader parties at his bar, treats the police like bowling pins, and now he's a Fox News hero. There is nothing else to say except, my man, you're so lucky you're white. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, Michael Costa will give us his idea on how to deal with the nightmare that was 2020. And then we'll look back on why everyone wanted to smash because of 2020. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. So this month, we've been looking back at 2020. We've talked about music, movies, technology, and now, to give us his review of this last year, let's bring in a man who can barely remember what he did last night, Michael Costa. Michael, what is your biggest takeaway about 2020? My biggest takeaway from 2020? My takeaway from 2020, Trevor, is that we should take away 2020. Okay, this year was a total bust. We got nostalgic when we had to go to the dentist, okay? We should take 2020, put it in a dumpster, light it on fire, and walk away as it explodes behind us. Hey, you know what, Michael? I hear you, man. But, but I do think we should try to figure out what we can learn from 2020. Like, we can't just pretend it never happened, you know? Actually, Trevor, that's exactly what we should do. What? We should pretend 2020 never happened? Yeah. Let's all agree right here and now as a planet that 2020 didn't happen. Nothing that happened in 2020 counts. Nothing during 2020 is important. We just skip over the whole year. We're taking one big collective mulligan. Control, alt, delete, force, quit. Drop 2020 off at the mall, tell it we'll be back in an hour and then move to another state. Costa, we can't just skip 2020. How would that even work? Uh, duh, it's pretty simple, Trevor. If you lost your job in 2020, you go back to work tomorrow. If you got evicted in 2020, you walk back into your apartment, it's yours again. If you got married in 2020, you're now divorced. If you got divorced in 2020, you're now married. If you donated a kidney, you go back and get that kidney. If you adopted a dog, you go back to the shelter. If you got circumcised in 2020, we get it. We get it, but that doesn't work for everything. Like, what about school? So everyone just repeats a grade again? Yeah, what's the problem? You think anyone learned anything from remote learning? The only education children got this year was seeing that a teacher's salary can only afford you a studio apartment. I mean, look at me. I repeated grade after grade, and I'm as smart as I ever did. Yeah, but this this just is all mass delusion. Yeah, exactly. But we're deluding ourselves together. And if 
everyone is delusional, then no one is illusional. Okay? And we do this all the time. Technically, my uncle is an alcoholic, but we as a family have decided together that he's not. So now he's just a carefree guy that likes to vomit on the dog. But reality still happened, my friend. Your body still changed. We all still aged. Well, we already don't count reality all the time. We just have to do it now in a much faster timeline. I mean, do any of us remember the pandemic of 1918? Of course not. If we did, we wouldn't have made all the same mistakes again this time around. So instead of being sad and miserable like Americans were in 1919, we just need to jump ahead a hundred years to when they had forgot about it all. Well, I feel like I just got dumb on listening to that. Well, well, that's fine. I can just do it over. As long as I get in these mistakes before December 31st, they won't count. Now, Trevor, if you'll excuse me, I have to go get a kidney back. No, you can't actually do that. Michael, Michael, th the kidney is theirs. Michael, that's, that's a crime. Michael! Michael Costa, everyone. Don't forget, Michael Costa has a brand new one-hour stand-up special this Friday, December 11th at 11 p.m., right here on Comedy Central. It's called Detroit, New York, LA, and it is hilarious. Be sure to check it out. All right, when we come back, Desi Lydic goes through all the ways that 2020 turned us on. And George Wallace, the legend, is joining us on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. 2020 is almost over. And I think we can all agree that it has been probably the best year in human history. I mean, everything went perfect and nothing went wrong at all. And for the rest of the month, we're gonna be remembering all of 2020's best moments. Today, Desi Lydic looks back on what made 2020 so damn sexy. For many people, 2020 was the most challenging year of their lives. It brought out a whole new range of experiences and emotions. People were scared, they were sad, they were scared. That's when you're so sad it scares you. <laughs> But being stuck at home for most of the year had another, even stronger effect on people. They were horny as hell. In March, Pornhub had a historic spike in worldwide traffic. And OnlyFans, a site that allows subscribers to directly message and pay their favorite performers, is getting around 200,000 new users per day. That's right, not everyone was baking bread during the pandemic. Some people were needing their own dough. People were so thirsty for online porn that even your grandma finally memorized the Wi-Fi password. And she can't even remember your name. But you can only watch so many pizzas getting delivered by the pool boy to the stepmom who's also a cheerleader. Some people were so horny in 2020, they crossed a forbidden line. Getting lucky in lockdown? Match.com put out their annual Singles in America survey. Get this, it shows that one in four Americans turned toward their roommate for intimacy and sex during the pandemic. Wow, those people must have been really lonely. Not because they were boning their roommates, but because they were filling out a survey on Match.com. I don't care how desperate I get, I will never stoop that low to sleep with my roommate, even if he is my husband. Thankfully, not everyone hooked up with their roommates this year. Some people were fantasizing about a different resident in their home. The single folks out there haven't been dating because of lockdown restrictions. They've been turning to dating apps, Zoom meetings, all this stuff. But there's about 28% of you guys that have been getting turned on by Alexa. Yeah, like, hey, Alexa, that Alexa. Hey, no judgment. There is nothing wrong with finding voices sexy. 
My first boyfriend was a speak and spell. Should have known I wasn't his type when I caught him with my Simon. But I don't know, the Alexa thing? I don't really get it. Siri? Definitely. She's got that super hot voice. Oh, sorry, I didn't quite get that. Uh, yeah, she can quite get that anytime she wants. <laughs> but I don't know, Alexa always sounds uptight, like she's got sand stuck in her motherboard. I heard that you skink. Between porn use and spanking it to the robot who reorders your toilet paper, people might have spent 2020 stuck at home, but their minds were in the gutter. And you could see the horniness everywhere, even in places where you wouldn't expect it. Like this summer when Martha Stewart dropped one of the hottest thirst traps of all time, or when Chris Evans gave us a peek at his camera roll. At ease, Captain. Permission to come aboard, sir? Captain America was captain of a boat, right? But some people got too horny this year and gave horniness a bad name. An unsettling incident involving CNN's chief legal analyst now off the air for allegedly pleasuring himself on a Zoom video call. Jeffrey Tubin, who's also a staff writer for The New Yorker, was suspended by the magazine for masturbating during the call last week with other New Yorker employees and WNYC radio staff watching. Ew, Jeffrey Tubin. More like Jeffrey Pubin. No, wait, Tubin is better. Or like Jeffrey Tubin, ha, got him. When you're on a work Zoom, that's not time to masturbate. That's time to paint your toenails or get your Christmas shopping done online. You gotta keep it professional. He just had to do it on a work Zoom? I can't imagine that he couldn't figure out a better time to squeeze in, squeezing it out. This was the year of extra free time. I learned to play the guitar. I knit sweaters for everyone I know. I did 600 puzzles, one for every time I masturbated, which there was plenty of time to do. But thankfully, the horniest moment of the year was one that we welcomed with open arms. The WAP video, which stands for wet ass pajama. Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion must have known that horniness was at an all time high because this song had something for horny creatures of all species. Men, women, snakes, tigers, leopards, and fake billionaires. More importantly, it was a symbol of female sexual empowerment. Just watching that video is the equivalent of doing 500 Kegels. And we needed that this year. I mean, we felt so horny and helpless. And then this song came out and told women that it's okay that you had to change your batteries out of your vibrator twice this year. It's okay that you're taking extra long mommy showers. It's okay that you're starting to find Olaf from Frozen attractive. You found him attractive before the pandemic. Ooh, Alexa, you secret spilling bitch. So that's the year in horniness. 2020 has been a crazy year in so many ways, but horny moments gave us just a little bit of escape. We'll never forget about the way it made us feel in our hearts, in our minds, and in our wet ass vaginas. You received the notification Lady Lube is out of stock. God damn it, Alexa, I will unplug you. Thank you so much, Desi. All right, stick around because when we come back, the great George Wallace is joining me on the show. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke with the legendary comedian, George Wallace. We talked about his remarkable career, how he's become a favorite on Twitter, his brand new book, and so much more. Mr. George Wallace, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Dr. George Wallace, let's get that clear before we start. Doctor. Doctor. 
Don't you Dr. feel George better? Than, don't you feel better since you're talking to me? Oh no, I do already. Dr. George Wallace. I'll take it. Because <laughs> I remember when I, when I, I mean, when you, when you first start doing stand-up, you hear the names, you hear the biggest names, the pioneers, the people who did it, the people who are still doing it. And for me, one of the names that always stuck out was George Wallace. You have been the comedian's comedian for the longest time, but you also crush it with the audiences. I mean, from the days of Jerry Seinfeld in the clubs grinding away, all the way through to you having a Vegas residency, you are Mr. George Wallace, Dr. George Wallace. I'm sure it's a, is it a, is it a doctorate in comedy? What is a doctorate in? Yeah, TC, you got it, man. So you be thinking, I'll be thinking. Doctor of comedy, George Wallace. And you mentioned Seinfeld, you know, we started out hitting the clubs, four or five clubs a night. Do you know, to this day, we've been best friends for 45 years. To this day in New York City, before the, uh, the uh, pandemic, we still go to the clubs, four or five clubs a night and try, try out these new jokes. There are a few comedians I know who love and perform stand-up comedy as much as you do. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, where is George Wallace and what is he doing? Well, since uh, March 14th, I shut down my TV show at uh, Netflix, and I came to Atlanta, Wakanda. That's Wakanda. That's Wakanda. That's Atlanta. Have you, listen to me. First of all, speaking of your country, I've been there. you most beautiful country in the world, and I love it. Table Bay. Uh, what's the name of the beach I hang out? Is it Camps Bay? That's the beach I yes, hang out in? Yes, 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 Camps Bay. I know you're from up in uh, uh, Johannesburg. I enjoyed your country so much, and I just wanted to know, you in my country now, have you been to, like, I'm in Atlanta right now. Have you yes. been to Atlanta? Oh, oh, of course I've been to Atlanta. I'll tell the truth. When you got off the airplane, did you go, holy shit, you never saw that many black people in your life, right? And you're from... <laughs> hey. Hey, you're from- you know, you know what I used to say? You know what I used to say, George? In Atlanta, you go, what the hell? There's so many black people. And you know the story on Atlanta being the movie-making capital of the world, like uh, the Black Panther. They wanted to make that in Africa. And they actually went to Africa to make the movie, but when they got over there, they didn't have enough black people. So <laughs> they called Delta and fly them right back to Atlanta. <laughs> There's so many black people here, so I just wanted to bring that up. But yes, what am I doing now? I'm still writing jokes. I'm having fun. And you know, one thing I do, I keep my legal pad with me. I continue to write new jokes every day, and and that's what I'm doing. How do you how do you how do you stay so relevant though? My job is to keep up with times, and I'm dealing with this uh, pandemic here in Atlanta. For the last few months, I've been writing a book. I wrote a new book called Bull Twit. Yes. Bull yes. Twit. I couldn't say uh, why Bull Twit. Because I said, they won't buy a book that says bullshit. So put bull twit and whatnot. And these are my ramblings for so many, so many years, just stupid stuff off my head. And I was wondering for years before I started doing uh, Twitter, why should I give away my jokes for free? Right. When I thought about it, I said, you know what? If I do this, and I got it's not real jokes, it's just little thoughts from the mind. Uh, if I do this, um, the whole world gets to see me, you know? Otherwise, they have to come to Las Vegas. But right now, I'm glad I did it. Now we got almost a million followers, and every day we get to chat with people and laugh and have fun. I feel like that's what makes you fresh. That's what makes you funny. I'd love to know, because, I mean, you've, you've got the book of your tweets and, and the rants and the ramblings, and I feel like in, in many ways, that, that's how you formulate your show in Vegas, because you, you have one of the longest residencies of all time. You are the Vegas guy. Why, why did you choose to just stay in Vegas? Like, why do you love Vegas so much? Trevor, I am so happy to live my dream. I never wanted to do TV. I never wanted to do movies. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was work Las Vegas, Nevada. All I want to do is entertain people. Uh, and you know, it's, and it, it's not 
And you're talking to, by the way, the most successful comedian ever, me. It's not, <laughs> it's not how much money you make. It's how you yes. enjoy your life yes. while you're living. Yes, yes. And I enjoy my life, and I went to Las Vegas, and I've broken records there. I've worked longer in Las Vegas. I've done more shows than any African-American because I went to Las Vegas, and I don't work for the hotels. I own my show. I do the producing. I do the producing. That's I what do, I'm talking about. I write the jokes. So it's pretty... And I love what I do. As you said, you are the longest African-American performer in Las Vegas in history. But there was a time when you were doing comedy when black performers weren't even allowed in the club, when, when you had to go and perform in places where they wouldn't even want you to perform, but you still found that joy and you had comedians who rallied around you, black, white, everyone was doing it. Talk me through that. Like, was there never a point in that period where you were like, maybe I should pick another career, maybe I should do something else? Oh, hell no. You know what I do every night, Trevor? I'm so blessed. I go out on that stage every night and I just lie. I just lie. That's like, <laughs> I just make up shit. I just lie. I thank God. I tell God every night, just let me be the greatest bullshitter ever. But right now, Trump is kicking my ass in the bullshit department. <laughs> but, Trevor, to answer your question, uh, when I started uh, comedy back in 1976, there were very few black comedians. There was Red Fox and there was um, Richard Pryor, of course, and a few others. And uh, I always wanted to do the comedy. And uh, I, uh, I said, I'm gonna, I never thought about doing anything else, you know, and I right, was making right. a lot of money. Now, you live in New York City. Before I was a comedian, I was um, 1975. All of the billboards, the spectacles at Times Square, all of those advertising boards, I was vice president of, of that company. So I was making in 76, making like, $75,000, a year. Wow. Are you, are you being serious want, right now? Yeah, that's not what I want to do. I wanted to tell jokes and go on stage. And I don't care about money. The money will come. And to be able to go out and then do The Tonight Show. So when I did The Tonight Show, I'm one of the very blacks right. to do The Tonight Show. So I did The Tonight Show on a Thursday. The next night, I was on stage in front of 17,000 people. That was wow. back in the day when you did The Tonight Show. That was it. Then I went on. I wanted to learn how to become a comedian. So I opened for the likes of uh, Natalie Cole, uh, uh, Diana Ross. I worked Caesar's Palace. I wanted to work every kind of stage. There used to be a time when comedy and music, you couldn't separate them. Every single musician in the country had a comedian opening up their shows. You were one of those comedians performing. First of all, do you miss that? And secondly, why do you think that stopped? Well, it became, it's a different time because we have comedy clubs now. So comedians go to comedy clubs and work. But back in the day when I was opening, you're right, comedian would open for singers. What happened to me, I enjoyed what I was doing. I, I, I started, most comedians get to do 20 minutes. I never had that opportunity. I worked, I worked with Diana Ross. I started 20 minutes. She says, take it to 25, 30. Uh, what was, I was with Tom Jones for uh, five and a half years. He made me do 45 minutes every night, and I loved it. And then they, the most difficult part about opening, uh, let's say a guy like Tom Jones, the same 500 ladies came every night. <laughs> told me that it's not going to be good, Mr. Wallace, because the same 500 ladies will be, come every night, and so it's going to be empty down front. Do you know, for five years, every night, those ladies were at my show, throwing underwear at me, and that's what taught me to be a great comedian and learn how to do a different show every night. I just love people. I got the greatest job in the world, Trevor, and I do nothing. I just lie. I just make up shit. Well, my friend, not only are you one of the greatest comedians for doing that, uh, I think you're very fully qualified to be president of the United States. So, uh, so if you ever get tired of Vegas, 
You know where you can start your next residency if you want to lie all the time. Oh, right there, 1600. I could be president tomorrow. You know, the first bar I would pass, Chick-fil-A is going to be, be open on Sunday. I don't give a damn what they say. Chick-fil-A will be open. <laughs> That's the first law I'm going to pass. Second law, second law I'm going to pass, Steve Harvey ain't hosting shit no more, okay? Steve <laughs> Harvey ain't hosting. Let me. Oh, man. But listen, let me, let me tell you more about this book here. This, this book is something that most people should get. It makes a, a great Christmas gift under your tree. You know the person that has everything, what do you get them? Yes. You yes. get them a book to keep them laughing. Yes. And I, Trevor, I'd be thinking, I did not go to Amazon.com because they take half your money. But GeorgeWallace.net, go online and get this book because you need laughter in your life. And when you stop laughing, you stop living. That's all you got to do, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time. I hope to meet you officially in person in the flesh one day, but until then, I'll make sure everybody gets the book. We're gonna get it from the website, and the next time we meet, we will continue to talk about both Wakanda and Cape Town, South Africa. Thank you for saying that too. You wanna meet me in flesh. How the hell else are you gonna meet me? People can say some stupid shit, right? <laughs> Wait, you you gotta meet me now you meet like this. This is how you meet now. And Chef, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta know that I'm an asshole. So I never close the show without saying I love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Which <laughs> fucking ass. Oh man. George Wallace, I'll see you around, my friend. Look after yourself. You got a deal. You too now. Don't forget everybody, George's new book, Bull Twit and Whatnot, is available now on his website. Go get it. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, I just wanted to remind you again to please try to support your local restaurants if you can. They are struggling to stay open during this pandemic. And if they don't get the help that they need, they might not be open for you when the pandemic is over. Now, if you wanna help beyond just ordering food, then please consider a donation to the James Beard Foundation's Open For Good campaign, which is helping independent restaurants survive this pandemic. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you really wanna keep COVID away from you, just declare yourself an autonomous zone. It works every time. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. <laughs> 